Good morning. This is on. Okay. I'm going to read to you from Psalm 119, verse 90. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. God's presence is was faithful to, with us, and he'll, he's with us through all generations. And that is such a, an encouraging uh, verse. Uh, if you're new to us, we want to welcome you. Welcome to you online, that you're able to log in and join us from the comfort of your own home. And if you're in person, welcome as well. Um, if you are new, we're having this new thing called, we have a QR code on the back of your bulletin, so you can scan that with your phone, and that's your Connect card, so just fill that out, and so that our church can get to know you better. Um, there's a few ways that you can listen to the service online, so that is listed on the bulletin as well, too. Uh, the Mosaic Center, our church is partnering with them. They're just an uh, agency down the street here, and uh, they serve people who are struggling with poverty. So our church is asking you if you could donate um, winter coats. If you're going to buy a new one this year, just feel free to give your old one to us, or socks, or sweaters, or anything like that that can help people in this cold weather that uh, we could give to the Mosaic Center. Um, as you can see in your bulletin, uh, our business meeting is coming up, and we have nominations for the 22 uh, ministry position. So if you want more information on that, there's a, a brief bio on all the people that are running. So uh, just pray through that. And uh, I'm just going to pray and commit our service to the Lord. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, God. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you are here and that your Holy Spirit's working amongst us, God. And Lord, I pray for Pastor Mark, Father. I pray, God, that uh, you would give him the words to say as he preaches and teaches us your word, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kids, uh, you can be dismissed. Uh, we're going to practice our Christmas concert, so just scoot out the back door and I'll pass it on to Pastor Mark. Well, hello, church. Good to see you all. I uh, hope you're excited this morning about a chance to sort of dig into the Word of God, whether you're here in person or at home. Uh, you can do that by joining me in turning to the book of Philippians. Philippians, we now come to chapter 4, uh, the last uh, chapter in this book, so we're near the end. And this morning, as we open this passage, I think, well, we're going to be looking at a, a lesson that, well, at least for me this week, it was especially timely. And I think this is a lesson that is timely for all of our lives right now. Because in this passage, Paul is talking about finding peace uh, in our lives. Because if we are honest, I think we would admit we live in a world uh, where we have a lot of stress. We have a lot of anxiety. Um, in fact, those things are almost seen as, seen as normal parts of our lives right now. If you're not worried about something, you should be worried about something. Um, Someone once dubbed the age we're living in the aspirin age uh, because we have so many headaches. And we do worry. We worry about everything. Our kids, we worry about our jobs, we worry about the economy, we're worried about COVID, and that makes everything worse. Um, these really are very hard times. 
uh, for us to find peace in our lives. And yet that's exactly what Paul is addressing here very clearly in our passage. As he writes to this church about how they can know peace uh, in their hearts and in their lives. And if you want, I would encourage you to follow along with me in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 to 9. As Paul really shows us uh, the pathway uh, to peace. And he says this. So Ephesians chapter 4, beginning of verse 2. He says, I entreat Judea and I entreat Synecdoche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask also you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but by, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you all. Let's pray. Father God, um, just be with us now. As we once again open your word, um, seeking truth, but Lord, also asking that you would just speak to us uh, through your word, that you would guide our thoughts and our hearts, and and that Lord, wherever this truth needs to to find an especially special place in our heart, that Lord, you would just speak to us now. If we need conviction, bring conviction. If we need uh, enlightenment, bring enlightenment. And Lord, if, yeah, if we need encouragement, may we be encouraged. Uh, But Lord, I pray that your word would be alive and active in our church this morning, that you would work through me, your servant, uh, to proclaim and lift up and and just exalt Christ this morning, and that, Lord, he would be our Prince of Peace in all of these things. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So when I say the word peace, let me ask, what sort of images pop into your head? Well, chances are... You tend to think of peace as being an absence of conflict. You know, when two nations are at war and they're fighting each other, if you want to end that war, you sign a peace treaty. And they, they stop fighting. And you have peace. Uh, someone once said, uh, I love this exp- explanation, uh, peace is that moment when both sides put down their guns and hate each other like civilized people. Um, Someone even more skeptical said, peace is that brief, glorious moment in history when everyone stands around reloading. Um, And historians have noted that that kind of peace, it rarely lasts. Uh, Since 1500 BC, there's been more than 8,000 peace treaties written. Almost all of them were broken. The average one lasted only about two years. So if your nation is at peace, you better enjoy it quick because it's probably not going to last. But even closer to home, even in our own very lives, peace can be something that's hard to find. Now, many of us could probably say with Job, 
You know, Job says in Job chapter 3, verse 26, he, has, he says, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. And many people can relate to that kind of, they can relate to Job in that. And maybe you came this morning and you're carrying a heavy burden. Maybe you're anxious about something. Maybe there's a problem in your life that you've been wrestling with that just doesn't seem to be going away. Maybe you're concerned about your finances or your health. Maybe COVID has just turned your world upside down and you just feel like you're reeling. Or maybe you're here and you, you're not even sure what's going wrong. You just know that you lack a sense of peace in your life. So where do we find that? Where do we find peace? Well, thankfully, Paul is writing to tell us exactly that. In fact, if we want to skip ahead just a little bit in our passage and look at verse 7 of chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I love that verse because Paul doesn't really hedge his words here. It's not like, well, maybe this will happen or hopefully this will happen or possibly this will happen. There, there's only certainty in Paul's mind here. Paul tells us that this peace will come and it will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds. It's a promise of God. It's not a possibility. Again, it's a certainty. And this is not just sort of a little teeny weeny bit of, bit of peace that's promised. Rather, it's the peace, we're told, that surpasses all understanding. It's the kind of peace that is beyond our human ability to even explain. I like one paraphrase of this verse that says, this is a peace for which there is no logical explanation, and it will put a wall of protection around you. Because the peace that Paul is talking about here is the peace that we find in Christ Jesus. And it has its roots in that Old Testament idea of shalom, peace, which refers to sort of a person being complete and feeling whole. It's just, a, it's a sense of wellness and contentment, not just an absence of conflict. It's a state of assurance and trust. It's where a person can just sort of be in a place where they just know it is well with my soul. That's peace. And again, most importantly for us, it's not about the absence of trouble. It's not about that we're not going through things that are making us anxious or could make us anxious. It's not about what we're going through. That true peace is found in the acknowledgement of the presence of God in our lives. Even if we are in the midst of all of those things that can try to steal our peace. So how do we take hold of that peace in our lives personally? How do we find that peace? Well, Paul actually lays that out for us pretty, really nicely in our passage this morning by revealing to us what I would call sort of a scriptural pathway to peace. And the first step that he says we need to take along the way of that path to peace is found in verse 2, where he says, I entreat Judea and I entreat Synecdoche to agree in the Lord. And again, that may seem like sort of an awkward way to start a passage about peace. But I think it teaches us a very important lesson. And that is that the peace, peace can be very hard to take hold of when we are actively in conflict with other people. There were these two women in this church who were fighting. And it was stealing their peace. The peace of God is very difficult to find when we are fighting amongst 
ourselves. And yet we know that happens. Conflicts happen, even in churches, even, even in good churches. Because keep in mind, Philippi, the, the church that Paul is writing to, this is one of the most positive letters that Paul writes in the entire Bible. This was a church Paul loved. This was a church of joy. This was a church of faith. And yet even in this faithful, joyful church, there was conflict. And notice too that Paul doesn't say these are bad women. In fact, I would actually say Paul says some really, some pretty nice things about these two women who are getting into this fight. He says that these women, their names were written in the book of life. He says these women were two women who labored alongside of him to share the gospel. These were women who seemed like they, they loved and they served the church that they called home. And yet, there was some situation, some issue arose between them that was just disrupting their relationship. So what does Paul tell them to do about it? Well, he actually lists a couple of things. And if you sort of have a pen and paper, you can write these down because at one time or another, reality is you're probably going to need these. As Paul talks about four things that will help us find peace in our relationships with others. And the first thing that Paul does is he tells them to agree. Agree. And I like that. Paul, he doesn't pull rank, you know, do what I tell you. He, he doesn't give ultimatums. He doesn't air their dirty laundry. He doesn't patronize. He doesn't cast blame because I'm sure there was enough sort of blame to go around on both sides. Instead, he simply appeals to each woman's heart and urges them to start taking steps towards reconciliation with each other. He says, I entreat Judea and I entreat Synecdoche to agree in the Lord. And that word that Paul uses there for, for agreement, to agree, is, is a strong word in the Greek. Uh, you might call it a forceful word. It's, it's, it means to, to firmly, firmly set your mind upon something. It's not casual, sort of in any way. It's a word that says, don't take this lightly, but instead be very intentional about making this happen. Because conflict is not something that will go away if we ignore it. And the point here is we need to work at it. We have to put in an effort if we want to end disputes. So the first step in finding peace in our relationship is to intentionally decide and work towards reconciliation and agree with each other. But then Paul says even more because Paul actually doesn't tell them to agree with each other. He tells them to agree, but not with each other. Because in many cases, I've seen this firsthand, you're just not going to get people who are disagreeing to find common ground on some issue. But you know what? Paul isn't telling them. You know what? He's not saying work on your issues or find a compromise or, or you know, come to some mediated solution in this problem that both parties can live with. This kind of agreement Paul is calling to them to is something different entirely. Because he says, agree in the Lord. Because here's the thing, no matter how far apart two Christians are on any issue, Jesus is the one thing every Christian should be able to agree upon. Jesus is our common ground. And when we actually do agree on Jesus, when our hearts are tuned to him and our eyes are fixed on our Savior, it just changes our perspective. Because the number one cause of conflict in churches, or anywhere else for that matter, it really is selfishness. 
You know, just where we're just looking out for our own selves. Uh, James writes on that. Again, we've heard this already in Philippians, but James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. James says, what's causing quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you? You want, you don't have, you scheme, you kill to get it. You're jealous for what others have and you can't possess it. So you fight and quarrel and you take it from them. And the truth is no matter how, how hard you try, if the people in church are acting selfishly, the result will be disunity and conflict. So Paul says, change your focus, shift your focus. Remember, it's not about you. He says, agree on the Lord. Put Jesus first. And remember, he's your common ground. And then he continues in verse three, where he says, yet I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. And just sort of a FYI here, uh, it may be when Paul says true companion, uh, or some versions have fellow yoke fellow or something like that, uh, he's actually just calling somebody by a name. The Greek word there is sisgus. Uh, maybe there's a guy named Sisgus in this church, uh, or maybe it was code for something else. Maybe he was referring to someone else. Um, but Paul's point here in this verse is really that when conflicts do arise between people, there are other people in that church who should volunteer to, to be in a position to help them resolve that conflict. Um, we need people who are peacemakers. We need people that we trust with the courage to speak into these kinds of situations and sometimes speak hard truth. And that's not easy to do. You know, a lot of times, you know, maybe you know this, a lot of, when two people are fighting, the last place you want to be is standing in between them. That's where people get hurt. There's a lot of collateral damage there. But as believers, when there is a conflict, it's not our job to just stay out of the way and let them tear each other down. It's not our job to put our heads in the sand. It's not our jobs just to mind our own business. It's our job to do whatever we can to get those people talking and get that relationship beginning to heal. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. We need people who are willing to help others work towards peace. And then finally, Paul adds the last little phrase in verse 3, where he talks about whose names are written in the book of life. And you know, some people just kind of think that's maybe just a throwaway line. Paul's being kind of wordy, like he sometimes is. But I actually think that Paul uses those words very intentionally here. Because I think he's reminding these women and everyone else that they've been forgiven. that their names are recorded in heaven, that they have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and they are partakers of his grace. And that's important because you know, every day in the world around us, you hear people say things like, I will never forgive that person for what they've done for me and no one even bats an eye because unforgiveness and bitterness and holding a grudge and those kinds of things are perfectly natural to most people. But there's nothing natural about the grace we've received in Jesus Christ. And I found one quote that says it so well. It says, the first thing that you have to do if you're going to forgive a person is receive the grace of God. 
Because until you receive grace from God and his forgiveness of you, you will never be in a position to truly forgive someone else. And the forgiveness that we offer to others is modeled and based upon the forgiveness that Christ has shown to us. And I think this is especially important to remember. I think when you realize just how difficult resolving conflict can be sometimes. When we're fighting, when we're in a conflict with someone, people get hurt. Sometimes they get very deeply hurt. And sometimes they get even hurt by people in the church. And there's misunderstanding. And at times there's feelings of broken trust and betrayal. And often those people who are hurting us are not strangers. They're our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. There are people who are like family. And that can make the conflict sting all the more. So I don't think Paul is saying to these ladies, ladies, just get over it. He's not saying this is no big deal, you know, just these are petty issues that you're fighting about. Why don't you grow up? Paul is not being dismissive of their pain and their hurts. What I think Paul is saying is that this is actually a problem that needs the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying this problem, this dispute between you, this conflict that's happening, to get over it, we need the transforming power of God at work in your life. This is something that needs the supernatural grace in order to be resolved. And he reminds these women that they have received that grace. And the gospel can change your heart. And that it can lead you to a place of peace with one another. And that's the first step that we have in finding peace. It's where we make steps to be at peace with one another. And then Paul, in the rest of this passage, he goes on to talk about how we can find peace just in our own hearts as well. Um, and he starts there, in, uh, stating in verse 4, saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So another word of advice about walking towards peace for us this morning is that he really, he points us towards joy. He points us towards rejoicing. He even repeats it. He says, in case you missed it the first time, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. And rejoicing is such an important part of every believer's life. Uh, Adrian Rogers uh, used to say, praise is faith turned inside out. And Paul brings it up here because praise and worship and rejoicing are things that are, a, it's a good cure for anxiety. You know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says to people, don't worry. And I think people said, are you crazy? But he said, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. And then he says in Matthew 6, 33, but... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And Jesus is really saying that's, that's the cure. Focusing our hearts on God. Seeking him for, and that's worship. Worship is seeking the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's focusing our hearts on him. It's putting Jesus first. And here's a real practical just a real practical thing for you I want to give you in your life. And that is, if you're worrying in your life, you need to worship more. 
you're in a place where you just, you're anxious, you're stressed in that moment, put on your favorite hymn and just stop and listen to it. Put on the, the words of your favorite gospel song, read them, and just take time to worship the Lord. And you'll be amazed at the peace that it can bring into that situation. If you want to worry less, worship more. And praise is part of the pathway of peace. And then Paul says in verse 5, continuing, let your reasonableness, reasonableness, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And that verse actually kind of is a tough one just because of the difficulty translating that word reasonableness. Some translations use the word gentleness, some moderation, others something like long-suffering or patience. But what all those words sort of have in common is that they point us towards an attitude of a person with a humble heart. Uh, Even today, you might be arguing with somebody and you say, hey man, just be reasonable. But what you're doing is you're asking that person to give up some part of their agenda. You're asking them to accept something other than their own demands and their own desires and, and maybe meet you halfway. When you say be reasonable, you're asking someone to surrender their viewpoint or something else in, in, in their life. And with this, Paul may intentionally actually be pointing us back to those words in Philippians chapter 2, where he begins in verse 3, so where he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. That's reasonableness. And this is an important lesson, I think, on finding peace because a peaceful heart is not one that's overly concerned with itself. A worried heart, on the other hand, is very concerned about itself. It's consumed with what it has and what it can get and what it might lose. And it's worried about those things all the time. But a peaceful heart is one that could surrender and still be at ease. When you show reasonableness, you're saying, I'm willing to come in second. I'm willing not to have things go my own way. I'm willing to surrender. I'm not going to fight over this. I'm just ready. I'm, I'll just go with what you guys want to do. You know, I'm okay not getting my way on everything. And when you can live like that, there is huge freedom. And there's huge peace to be found in living like that, where you don't have to constantly fight to be first. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 6, saying, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I'll tell you right now, that's one of my favorite verses. Uh, That's one verse I think every one of us should have set to memory. Uh, On the pathway to peace, that is one giant leap forward for the mankind. Like that is, this verse is so important, we should tape it to the roofs of our bedrooms So it's the first thing we see in the morning and the last thing we see at night. It really is. Don't be anxious, but in everything, with with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Don't worry. You know, one study once asked people, came in, what are you worried about? Recorded all their answers. They found that 40% of the things that most people worried about will never happen. They're just not even, like, in the realm of reality. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, 30% of things people worried about were things from the past that they couldn't change anyways. 
12% of that anxiety was about criticism uh, from others. That was mostly untrue. 10% of the people worried about their health, which actually only gets worse when people worry. And only about 8% of the things that most people said, I'm worried about this right now, were real problems that, that sort of had to be faced. Most of the things we worry about are waste. Um, there's a, <laughs> I love this story. There's a woman. <laughs> there's a woman who for years, years and years could not sleep. Just always, every day, had trouble sleeping because she was so afraid of burglars breaking into her house. Years went on, decades went on. Lost her health every night. And then one night, her husband heard a noise in her house. He went down to investigate. When he got there, he actually found a burglar. The man looked at the thief and just said, Man, what took you so long? My wife has been waiting 25 years to meet you. Come upstairs, meet my wife. Like, how many years of worry did she waste worrying about this? There's no point in holding on to your worry. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. So how do we conquer worry? Well, this is the next step. Paul tells us, simple terms. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. In other words, real simple, worry about nothing, pray about everything. And everything means everything. You know, nothing is too little or too insignificant for us to be praying about. And nothing is too big either, for that matter. God wants us to bring all of our concerns to him in prayer, large or small, Pray about it. Pray about everything. Turn your worry list into a prayer list. And again, just being real practical here. And if you're worried about something, then get on your knees and spend time praying about it. Prayer is one of God's best answers to anxious souls. And it's some of the best advice that I could give you about peace. But even then, Paul doesn't stop. Now look at verse 8. Where he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So let me ask you this morning, what thoughts are ruling your mind this morning? And are they thoughts that promote peace? Or is your mind sort of spinning with worry and racing in, you know, a dozen different directions? Because, you know, those seeds of peace that we plant along the way on the path towards peace, they'll either begin to take root in our hearts or they'll be swept away by distractions and deceptions and, you know, just a million cares of this world. If we're going to have peace in our lives, we need to guard our minds. Our, we need to guard our thoughts. The battle for peace is often won or lost in our thought life. It's won or lost on the things that we dwell on, the, the messages that we, we, we tell ourselves. That's why Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he says, take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. And again, Romans 8, verse 3, he says, the mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And those verses are telling us we need to take great care with the thoughts and the attitudes that we let dwell in our minds. 
There's an old saying that says, watch your thoughts, because they become actions. And watch your actions, they become habits. And watch your habits, because they become character. And watch your character, because it becomes your destiny. But it all starts in our minds and the thoughts we tell ourselves. And that's, this is not just Paul talking about the power of positive thinking. This is Paul talking about the power of godly thinking that needs to fill our minds. And the best way that I know how to do this, what Paul is talking about here, is for us to be reading the word of God. Read your Bible daily by constantly filling your mind with Scripture. Because the word of God is true. And the word of God is honorable. And the word of God is just. And the word of God is lovely. And the word of God is commendable. And the word of God is excellent. And the word of God is praiseworthy. And the word of God is the best example of what we should be fixing our minds on as we walk towards peace. You want peace in your life? Think on those things. Dwell on the word of God and its truth. I even remember back when my wife Kathy was sick with cancer and there were days we felt overwhelmed. And Kathy used to write on these little cards, verses from the, from the Bible. And sometimes we just have to stop and read those verses over and over again to ourselves and just remind ourselves of the promises of God and the truth of God. And in those moments, it just, it calmed our hearts. And again, real practical suggestion for you. But where you're in that moment where you're worrying, when you're anxious, when you don't feel like you have peace, open up your Bibles and begin to read the Word of God and remind yourselves of the promises that He gives to us and the truth of His Word. Holding on to that truth and thinking about those kind of things will help bring you peace. And we do need to be careful because we need to guard our thoughts and guard our minds in order to find peace. And then Paul closes our passage with this final word of advice. Saying in verse 9, he says, What you have learned, what you have received, what you've heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. And I think Paul's final just sort of word of advice for finding peace, the final step we need to take is simply just living out our faith. You know, don't keep your relationship with Jesus in the realm of the theoretical. Put it into practice. Because you know what? None of these things, all these things are great advice for finding peace. But none of them work at all if you don't do them. The things Paul talks about in this passage are useful for finding peace only if we put them into practice in our lives. And we need to. Because rest assured, I will tell you, Anxiety and worry in your life is not going to take a holiday. Worry will show up at your door every single day knocking to let be let in. Living with peace is something we have to be active about and embrace every single day. We always have to be vigilant. Diligent. Vigilant? Diligent. Vigilant? We need to be vigilant and diligent every day to do these things. When we're anxious, stop and pray. When you're anxious, open your Bibles. When you're anxious, put on some worship. Focus on God. Because we can't just coast our way into a peaceful life. This is intentional living. But the good news and the amazing news is that this works. This is a peace you can know right now in your life. This is a pathway that you can walk in every circumstance. This is a promise that God will make certain in your life. 
And you know, I've shared this before, but I find it interesting that Jesus could have been made, he could have been known by many names when he came to be our Savior. He could have been the Prince of Patience. He could have been the Prince of Gentleness, Prince of Humility, the Prince of Faithfulness, the Prince of Salvation, Prince of Kindness, and he deserves every one of those titles. And yet more than any of those things, Jesus, when he came, was known as the Prince of Peace. Because that's his promise to us. So let me simply ask in closing, do you have that? Or do you find yourself holding on to burdens and carrying loads that are too heavy? Just let me encourage you to lay those burdens down and surrender your anxiety and your worry to the Lord and walk the pathway of peace that God has laid out before us. Because peace is God's promise to his people. In fact, I just want to do something maybe just a little unusual this morning. I just... I just want to read to you some of the promises of peace that God makes to us. Um, You can just close your eyes and listen or just listen, I guess, but uh, they're not going to be on the screen. I just want you to hear them. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Matthew 6, verses 31 to 36, Jesus says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Do not, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Psalm 4 verse 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. And again, from our passage in closing, Philippians 4 verses 4 to 9 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about such things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, 
Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father God, we live in a world where peace is something that just feels so fleeting. Um, we have so much anxiety. We have so much, so many things we worried about. We're so stressed about everything. We have appointments and we have deadlines and we have to answer emails and we're always, always on demand and we're always on our phones and there's always another text and we never seem to be able to find rest. And Lord, so often peace feels like something that is just very far from us.